0: Listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California, we exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message.
1: First of, I can invite you to stand with me as we read together. We're going to be reading from Acts two forty-two through forty-seven, um, and when I finish reading, I'm going to say, "This is the word of the Lord." And I invite you to say, thanks be to God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thank you Allison. What's up y'all? This is different, right? Just like tables right from me. It's like interesting. Uh, my name is Samir. If I had to just meet you, my name is Samir. I have the privilege of being one of your pastors here, and it's such a joy to be with you. The reason why it's different today uh, is because it's our fall kickoff, which means we want to do everything to give a glimpse of everything that we are as a church, as a community. And so when we have a little center like this of just eating together, like we love eating together as a church. We love representing our cultures, and we love representing the diversity of our church. That's a big deal for us. And we, and we want to represent, community and we want to represent kids and we want to represent family and we want to represent the outskirts of like who we serve in in our community. And we want to celebrate inviting those we love and care for. And we want to celebrate preaching and teaching who Jesus is. And so we want to give a little glimpse of everything that we are. And I hope we can do that today with you guys. So that's why it's a little different for us. uh, And I hope it's something that you will enjoy. A Part of the difference as well is, so last week if you were here, we as a church, we believe in plurality of leadership which means we have elders that oversee the church uh, locally and collectively. And locally last week, we uh, commissioned our elders for the first time. So we're a brand new church, so a year in. And uh, we now have elders locally that help serve and lead the local context uh, here at Story City, Granada Hills. And that's a joy. And a part of that, not only does that mean we lead collectively, we also teach collectively, and we love each other collectively in a plurality of elders. So a part of that is, how we're going to do our teaching today is not just going to be me. We're going to do a little handoff situation where we have every one of our elders join in on the teaching for today. And so hopefully it represents a little of what we want to see as plurality. Unfortunately, Josh, one of our other elders, wasn't able to make it this weekend because he was out of town. But the rest of us will be here. But you'll see him around. He'll be here. And most of you already know who he is. But. Uh, so that's what it's going to look like. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is just how essential community is. Community is such a big deal, but we're not meant to do life alone. I know that the tendency when we isolate is, is something that we can easily go to because it's easier. It's more natural, so we want to isolate ourselves. and like We can figure it out, um, and that's not the way God designed it. And, and I don't know if you have experienced it already, but as, if we isolate for too long, things get harder and harder and harder. And that's not because that's just your scenario. That's because God didn't create us to be isolated. He created us to be in community. And so that's a big deal. Community is it's like, a, it's like a symphony orchestra, right? Each instrument has its own melody and role to play. But it's only when they harmonize and synchronize that they create a masterpiece. Similarly, individuals in a community bring their unique talents and their perspectives, and and they collaborate and support each other, they can achieve incredible things that no one could accomplish on their own. Just as a conductor guides the orchestra, and that's Jesus to us, our conductor, a strong community is formed and provides guidance towards life, provides unity, provides a sense of belonging and allowing individuals to create something greater than they could have done On their own. Community is essential. And we see these things happening in the early church. Just like we read in the book of Acts. We see these things happening as they gather weekly, daily. And they're doing things together that's creating a powerful community that not only enables and empowers them as individuals, but it highlights and glorifies God in their life. That's a big deal. So... Our big idea for today in our tag team preaching is clear rhythms create healthy pathways into impactful community. Clear rhythms create healthy pathways into impactful community. What do I mean by that? As we saw in Acts, the early church coming together, they did things together. They worshiped together, they ate together, they shared together, they did community together. There were rhythms of their life that created a bond, that created an impactful ministry, that it created just strength amongst one another. And every individual grew and grew stronger in who they were called to be and live out. In the same way as we look at them as an example, we at Story City here locally, we have something we call our discipleship rhythms, Where we say, how does that look like in our context? How do we establish rhythms that are healthy, that create a a unity, create a community and create opportunities for growth and encouragement and highlighting God in our lives? How do we do that? And that's what we call our discipleship rhythms. There's four of them. And each one of us are going to take one. uh, And mine is the first one, which is worship in services. Second one is serve in teams. Third one is learn in studies. And fourth one is live in groups. And so not only are you going to hear why these are important and why rhythms are are vital to our community, but also how you can engage in them. And if you have questions about them, we'd love to talk more. All right? So first one, worship in services. Why we worship in services? Why do we do this? Why do we gather as believers? Why do we gather and invite others into the community this way? That's That's a big question. Why do we do this? I want to take us to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. So if you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it with me. And uh, it's on the screen as well. I want to break it up into three sections and give you three main reasons why worshiping and service is important. And I'm going to go through this quickly, hopefully. (laughs) Sorry. This is our first time doing this tag team preaching. And I'm like, I'm going to screw this up because I'm going to go way too long. All right, let's read it real fast. Therefore, Hebrews ten nineteen through 25, I'm going to just do up to 22 first and then describe it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. That is through his flesh. That means the way he died for us. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from, the, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure in water. Why do we gather in services? Why do we worship in services? Because it draws us near to God collectively and confidently. Worshiping in services draws us near to God collectively and confidently. That we are encouraged to draw near to God with confidence because of Jesus' sacrifice. Because of what he's done. Because the curtain was torn. And because his body was broken. We now have access to God in a way that we haven't had before his death. And so this is a time where we collectively get together and we get to remind each other, hey, remember who we are in Christ, and the access we now have, the assurance we now have in being near to God like we've never had before. That's a big deal. Through his death, through the curtain being separated, and that God's presence now is available to us, granting us direct access to him, our hearts are now sprinkled clean, it says, and our bodies washed with pure water, signifying our purification through Christ's sacrifice, This demands celebrating. This demands rejoicing. This gives us a reality of like, wow, this is a big deal. That we, every single one of us, even though we all have a different perspective of where we are in our relationship with God, we all have the same access to the God who created us. Every single one of us. And it's not because of how good we are, or it's not because of how good we did this week. It's because of what Jesus has done. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that every single week. Because I forget. I forget how awesome he is and how much he loves me. How much he's pursued me. That the week can be so hard and chaotic that I forget. I forget. And gathering every week is a reminder. It's a reminder of his goodness. And it's essential for us to do that together. To be reminded of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. Let us hold on To the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Second reason why worshiping in services is important is because worshiping in services reminds us to hold on to hope. Worshiping in services reminds us to hold on to hope. Amid the challenges and uncertainties of life, we're urged to hold fast to the hope that we profess. Not only because we proclaim it, but because we see it in others' lives around us. We see it in the stories and the testimonies of those that believe in God along with us. That in seasons where I'm down and out, someone just had a victory in the way that God just showed up for them. It's a reminder for me to hold on to hope because God will do it again. Because God will see me through this situation. It's a reminder that we are in this together, that we're not alone. Just this weekend, we as a family, we had a a hardship with one of our little ones, like, trying to figure out how to parent them well. It's like, parenting is hard. How to figure out what to do right every time is not easy. I was able to call a church member and say, hey, what, what are your thoughts on this? How do we walk through this? It's hard. And they gave us an amazing guidance because they went through a similar thing. And Where else do you get that? Where else do you get that? It's such a vital piece to our community to worship together, to know each other's victories and hardships as we gather and hold on to hope that God will see us through. That's why worshiping in services together is essential, that our unwavering faith not only anchors us but also serves as a testimony because what we like to say here at Story City is that our story is God's story that every single one of our stories is a representation of what God has done and continues to do, and you know what? I need to see that in your life, and vice versa. We need to see it in each other's lives because it reminds us of who God is. It's essential. The last one, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more As you see the day approaching, it's clear here, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. God knows the desire and needs of our heart is to be with one another and him being at the center of it. Worshiping and services encourages love and unity amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ. Worshiping and services encourages love and unity. It's essential for us to gather we're called to spur one another towards love and unity, fostering a community of support, just like I was sharing. Regular fellowship is vital. It strengthens our faith and accountability with each other. So worshiping in service is a big deal. Let us embrace the invitation to draw near to God, hold fast to our hope, and encourage one another in love as we worship in services together. But, but the truth is, that worshiping in services isn't even possible without the willing hands. The willing hands that are willing to serve. The willing hands that are willing to give up their time and their energy and their gifts to serve in teams here at Story City. It's such an essential part of the rhythms of our community. And I want to share uh, Stephen with you to discuss a little bit more about serving in teams and why it's essential. So this is our transition. Hopefully it's smooth. Here we go.
3: To tag me out, bro. If we're tag, if
2: we. You told me this was a tag
3: team thing, so you Sorry, need to right? tag. Okay, there we go. We go. All right, good. <laughs> Sorry. As the resident um, wrestling fan among the elders, uh, I-, I can tell you with all confidence and, and uh, knowledge that it's perfectly normal for the first guy in the ring to go a little bit longer. Than everybody else, as long as the next guy who comes in brings the energy up. So, shout out to our friend Caro Ku in his coffee cart, say that five times fast, and Overflow Ministries this morning for helping me bring my energy up today uh, as we go into our next discipleship rhythm. Uh, so, hi, everybody. Um, Most of you look pretty familiar But if this is your first time here My name is Stephen I'm one of the elders here at Story City And also serve here as the executive pastor I'm still getting used to that announcement I just got the title last week So just uh, bear with me Um, Now As we seek to display what makes community vital at Story City, receiving what we get out of worshiping and services is certainly a strong part of that vitality, but it doesn't stop there. Um, We live out making community vital among one another by living out another one of our discipleship rhythms, which is serving in teams. Uh, In the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, I'm in a minute going to read Matthew 20, 25 through 28 for you. And uh, if you guys want to put that on the screen, that's okay, because I'm just going to give you guys some time to look that up, uh, give you a little bit of a background as to what's going on in that passage. Um, In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus, he gets approached by the mother of two of his disciples, James and John, and she advocates on the behalf of her sons for them to sit at the right hand and left hand of Jesus once his kingdom is established. Now, Uh, Judging by Jesus's response that we'll read here in a minute. um, His response comes right back to the disciples rather than to her. Uh, So it stands to reason that this desire for recognition and elevated status among the followers of Jesus came from the men themselves, um, from a place of pride. And the other disciples, when they heard this, it got said out loud, they also got angry. And... um, it's not entirely clear, but it has been said that their reaction of anger was also a revelation of pride in their own heart as well. That maybe they felt more deserving of recognition than James and John. Or who knows, maybe some of them thought, why didn't I think of that? Like, where's my mom? You know, like, uh, um, but nevertheless, uh, seeking to separate and establish higher levels of importance among a group is not Jesus' idea of healthy community. Uh, or ministry, as we can see in this passage here. So uh, Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, and verse 25, um, it says, Jesus called them over, the disciples, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant." And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think about how Jesus used the example of rulers outside of God's kingdom uh, acting as tyrants and lording their influence over the people they were responsible for leading and how Jesus emphasized that it's not supposed to be that way here. Uh, I'm glad that I got to do the uh, servant teams piece here. Uh, if not for the superficial reason of me having a really good movie quote, just ready to go uh, for this one. Uh, so when I was a kid, uh, my dad, who was also a pastor, he was responsible for probably like 90% of the movies that I grew up uh, loving to this day, introducing me to them. And um, one genre that I have never deviated from is sports movies. Um, they're almost all the same uh, sports movies, but that just means that every single one of them is amazing. So, uh, you can't go wrong. Um, so anyway, there's this one sports movie from the eighties, uh, and it's based on a true story about a rural, uh, Indiana high school basketball team, uh, winning the state championship with a roster of only seven players. Um, and it's a movie called Hoosiers, uh, really good, uh, by the way, just that's, that's extra, that's free. Um, anyway, this new coach, uh, shows up from out of town, and he turns things upside down. But in the first practice that he has with his players, um, he gets their attention, and this is what he says to them. Let's be real clear about what we're after here. Five players on the floor functioning as one single unit. Team, team, team. No one more important than the other. We don't serve as tyrants on our teams. And while we have different teams that carry out different functions, We all still work together to carry out the love and compassion of Jesus to our church and to our communities, with no one team member more important than the other. Collective humility among our team only makes more of who Jesus is to the people we serve. At Story City, we follow the example that Jesus set for us, that we did not come to be served, but to do the serving to our community and to one another, and we execute that vision by serving in teams. Comprehensively, all of our teams work together to carry out this vision we have to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and others. We work not only to accomplish a vision on our teams, but we also work to build one another up and to lift one another up and to champion our team members around us, even if that results in someone moving ahead of us. Because we're not a people preoccupied with who sits at the right and the left of the master because what we do here isn't about us. It's about Jesus. And it's about the way that he has shown us to serve. We are diligently seeking to be a people who have come to serve, not to be served. And we don't just serve together through actions and routines either, but also through discipleship. Our teams don't just pour into one another and serve one another by training on how to make coffee, although that's really important, Um, you know, obviously energy, Um, or lesson planning for the kids' Sunday school classes, but we also have a deep desire that our teams would be environments for its members to also be pointed to who Jesus is and what they do for that team, whether it's showing the love and compassion of Jesus through hospitality or caring for the little ones as Jesus loved the little children or meeting, meeting people's care and prayer needs through our connections team, just as our Lord saw past people's initial introductions and was able to speak through to minister to their deeper needs. Our teams are a lot more than just function here. They're also a place where a family can bear fruit. Story City uh, uses a phrase around here that's called inconveniently generous, uh, which speaks to living with a sacrificial attitude. Uh, That can also apply to how we live with our teams. Within our teams, we work to be generous with the way that we serve, so that we can minister to one another's personal needs. Also collectively, we serve as a team generously in order that we can connect with the needs of our communities, whether it be, sorry, I gotta do my compass real quick, Tulsa Elementary right across the street, or uh, Pettit Park right around the corner, or any of our other neighboring areas. As apprentices of Jesus, we have been given to abundantly. So we should also serve others out of that abundance. But for every pouring out, there should also be a filling up. And one of the ways that we can pour back into one another to fill ourselves up is actually our next discipleship rhythm. So I would love to introduce you to, our, uh, to a fellow story city, city elder, sorry, coffee got faster than my tongue, um, Chris Woznicki, who's going to share with us our next discipleship rhythm.
0: Do it that way. Uh, yeah, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris Woznicki. Um, so I have a question. How do you love someone well? Think about that. How do you love somebody well? I'm a simple man, so I have a simple answer. It's food. Um, bring me good food. You know, they say there's five love languages. Um, does anybody know them? No? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give them to you then. Uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and gifts. Those are the five. Um, For me, words of affirmation are nice. Acts of service are cool. Quality time is wonderful. Physical touch, let's just say uh, when we had to social distance during COVID, I was totally fine (laughs) with that. I did not mind. Um, Gifts, though, that's something I'm really down with. I love getting gifts, uh, especially food gifts. So if you want to love me well, uh, give me some really good tacos. uh, Bring me to your favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Um, give me some comfort food, which I see a ton of comfort food back there, so I'm super excited about that. Um, that's, that's how you do it. Um, and that's the reality when it comes to all sorts of relationships, right? Whether it's a romantic one, whether it's a friendship, uh, you want to learn how to love the other person well. Uh, in the beginning of a ra- relationship, you might spend some time kind of figuring out who that person is. You might spend some time guessing and failing at how to love them well. Um, give you one example when I was in high school there was this girl that I liked so I made her a mixtape and if any of you remember what those are Um, it's like a Spotify playlist but like on a CD Um, so I made her a playlist uh, which were songs that I thought embodied what she was like and I gave it to her and she like maybe liked one song on there Uh, and that was a fail right thankfully, when it comes to God, um, he doesn't leave us guessing about how to love him well. Um, He actually tells us. So I want to share from scripture this morning um, about something that Jesus said. Uh, He was actually... Teaching to some crowds, Um, a bunch of crowds were following him, and there's this one group in the crowd that really didn't like him, called the Sadducees. They were this like religious, political party um, that were trying to trap him uh, to get him in trouble. So they ask him this really tricky question, and then Jesus plays like mental jujitsu on them and slips past their trick question. And then the next group comes up, kind of like a tag team, right? Like first the Sadducees, now the Pharisees, Um, and they ask him a question. So. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, it says this. Uh, they ask him, Teacher, which, is the great, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets depend on these two commands. So how does Jesus want us to love him? He wants us to love him with our heart, with our soul, with our mind. That's why we learn in studies. You know, most Christians in America, I think, get what it looks like to love God with our hearts and souls. Um, that's that's why we're so passionate about worship music. That's why worship ma- music matters to us so much. Um, the mind part, though, that's a little bit different most of the times. Um, Unfortunately, Christians aren't always known for how they use their minds. In fact, some people think that like, when you become a Christian, you need to check your mind at the door in order to like, embrace faith, and that's just not true. Like, we're called to love God with our minds. Um, this, is, this is my main point, it's not up there, but my main point is this, is that we learn in studies because it's a way to love God and love others well. That's why we learn in studies. We use our minds to study God his word, the history of the church. In other words, a big word, theology. Right? Studying is a way that we learn to love Him. But how do we learn to love Him through study? Let me give you an example. Um, I have kids, um, and I want to know what my kids are into. Right? What gets their attention? What captures their heart? I want to know the mundane how school was, who their friends are, who they sat at lunch with, what's their favorite movie. Right? What do they like doing when they're not sitting in front of the TV? Right? I want to know them well. Because how can I love them well if I barely know them? You know that's true. Maybe, um, maybe you had a parent who you felt like barely knew you. And you probably didn't feel loved very well. Like maybe mentally you knew that they loved you. Um, but because there wasn't that depth of knowing one another, you didn't feel like it was really true. It's natural to want to know more and more about someone, their history, their friendships, their family, all that stuff, if you love them well. And that's what we do in studies. We grow in knowledge of God, which is theology, right? We, we grow in knowledge of his word, which he's spoken to us by studying scripture. We grow in knowledge of his word and how it's worked through church history, we grow in knowledge of what others have said about him and how they've related to him. Right? We learn in studies because it's a way for us to grow in our knowledge of God and our love for him. But it's not just about that. There's a second part. right? It's how we learn to love others well too. Some of the studies we have coming down the line um, are very practically oriented. Um, we've done stuff on forgiveness, uh, mental health, family uh, at our other campus and at our other location, and it's coming here soon. Um, So when we learn those things, we learn how to actually love others well. It's a skill. Loving others well is a skill that we want to develop, and it takes work to develop that. How many of you know the mission of this church? It's very tricky. It's kind of long. Um, But the mission, the mission statement of our church is that we exist to glorify God by leading communities— into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others, healthy relationships take work, and sometimes take that's learning a new skill, getting new perspectives. So, learning and studies is a way to love others well, but it's not just because we're gaining skills to love others well. It's also because it's done in the context of community. So, let me give you an example. Um, the last few weeks, we've been doing this thing called pub theology. Um, Together with Burbank and pub theology is just this really cool opportunity to get with a group of people in pursuit of knowing God. You know, we share the same goal, right? Know God better. And when people share the same goal and are moving towards the same goal, it brings people together. So we come, uh, we mingle, we socialize, we eat together, we catch up on each other's weeks, and then something happens later in the night. It sort of turns a corner. We start talking about the theological values of the church, take a dive into church history, learn about how God has been at work in his people throughout the church. We even look at opposing views with humility, and we see that people can disagree and still love one another. The panel talks about their own personal experiences, which is really cool because it shows the importance of having diverse experiences and backgrounds and how that actually helps us to understand God better. And all of these things have the consequence of helping us know one another, understand each other and it all comes through learning and studies. And that's just one of the things that we've done here. Right? We have other classes throughout the year that we offer at Christianity 101, spiritual formation. Uh, we have other learning opportunities too. We have this thing called Right Now Media, which is an opportunity for you uh, to do some study on your own uh, with a ton of like videos and studies and reading and stuff like that. But it's all for the sake of learning about the God who loved us first so that we can love him well and love others well. So that's why we do studies. It's a way to love God and love others. So right now, I want to invite Jonathan Salas up as he talks to us about our next
4: discipleship rhythm. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, with our last discipleship rhythm, something I'm super passionate about. If you don't know me, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the elders here, and I work for Story City Collective. I'm the director of engagement, and this uh, topic that I'm going to talk about right now actually falls right under me, so it's something I'm super excited about, super passionate about. You've been hearing announcements for it for the past few weeks. Um, This last discipleship rhythm is living in groups, and so this is kind of where— Serving in teams is important, worshiping together is important, learning in studies is important, and then living in groups is where we really tie the boat together. As you learn in studies, you're learning theology, you're learning about who God is, who Jesus is, how he lives, and then you're taking that knowledge and then you're practically living it out in community. And so today we're going to look at Jesus' words, that three calls he puts on our lives as believers. And I'm going to go through it quickly. Uh, the first one is this. If you look at Luke chapter number five, uh, we're going to be Luke chapter five, verse one. I'm going to read it. It says, as a crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake and the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both those boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "'Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord.' For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners." Don't be afraid, Jesus told him. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. And so if you're looking at the context of this passage, Jesus is calling his first disciples. He sees these fishermen, and he wants to be their rabbi, and he wants them to follow him. Jesus does this miraculous uh, uh, miracle, this thing where his, uh, these men were fishing all night. They can't catch anything. And he comes and he shows, he reinforces his divine authority. Um, he did it in a way that would speak to them, right? He's going directly to what they know. Um, I, am, I, I work, I uh, have a food business. I love food. What I make, I make Hawaii style uh, food, poke, barbecue, all that kind of stuff. It's like my passion. I've been eating it my whole life. And it's like Jesus coming to me and saying, hey, bro, let me teach you how to make the bombest poke you ever had, right? He's speaking directly to their hearts, what they love, what they know, and he's doing something to grab their attention, to grab their heart. He wants to help them. They make the biggest catch of their life, right? This is the moment as fishermen that would have changed their whole life forever, right? They got the biggest catch they've ever had. They could have, if we had social media, they would have went viral. They would have been the expert's on fish catching. But Jesus, after doing this miracle, he does something for them. He, he calls them into something that's totally different from where they thought they were gonna go, right? They could have been the guys and now Jesus is asking them to do, thing, uh, do something. He's asking them to do three three things. First thing, he's calling them to make him the center of their lives. See, Jesus is saying, when he says, follow me, What he's telling them to do is, hey, you just made the biggest catch of your life. You're probably the best fishermen right now. Everyone's going to know about you, but I want you to put down your nets and I want you to follow me. Jesus is taking them at the height of their vocation, right? He's saying, I want you to put that to the side. I want you to put everything that you know to the side, everything that has your heart. And I want you to make me your heart. I want you to make me the center of your life. And God is calling us as apprentices to the same thing. He's saying, hey, uh, Story City Church, Grounded Hills, uh, I want you to make me the center of your life. How do we do that? That's hard. We have to reorient our perspectives and our thinkings to obey this call that Jesus is calling us to, to follow him. The second call is this. He not only called them to make, make him the center of their lives, but he called a, 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 a three of them specifically to do it as community. You see, the verse here isn't straight out where it says, like, Jesus called them as a community. But what it's, what, if you understand that context, he was asking them to be, he was the rabbi. They were his disciples. They would live with him, travel with him. Go, they wouldn't leave his side. And so they weren't doing that as individuals. It wasn't just Peter and Jesus. Right? No, it was Peter, James, John, Thomas. They were all doing it together. It was a communal way of living, right? They weren't doing it as, as individuals. They would follow him together and learn to walk in his ways together. You see, Jesus' second call in our life is to live in community, like family, with him at the, uh, with him at the center. You see, following Jesus is not an individual thing. Here in Western America, we've made it into an individual thing, but actually it's not because in the early church, they did it in community. When we walk, when we learn what it means to love Jesus, when we learn how to pray, when we learn how to study scripture, when we learn how to uh, follow and love others, love our community well, God is not saying that you need to do that alone. God is telling us that we need to do that in community, I think so many times, at least for me, I'm afraid to live in community because then people get to see that my life is not perfect, that I don't always love my wife, that I'm not always patient with my kids. But God says, don't worry about that, because in those moments, as we live in community, being vulnerable and known by one another, God says we disciple each other. And that's why he wants us to do it, because it's so easy, like Samir said, the tendency, right, the tendency is to uh, steer away from community, to isolate, because it's easier to hide our sin. We don't have to confront our imperfections. We don't have to confront our vulnerability. But God says, no, I want you in community so that you can see that we're all the same. We all have a sin nature. We all fall short, but yet we're here for one another to pull each other up and to love each other well and to preach the gospel to one another and so he called us to live in a community as a family and the third one is that not only that we see this in the scripture but then to live as a family on mission to fish for men to make an impact you see uh the third call he clearly states it in verse 10 he says uh, Excuse me, he says it this way. He says, uh, don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon, from now on, you will be catching people. God has sent us on mission, and he hasn't done it alone. He didn't say, you have to go on mission alone. No, you go on mission as a community. Jesus traveled with 12 men, and those 12 men outside of that, there were probably another 70 people that traveled with him every single day, and all of them had one mission, to tell Israel that the kingdom of God was at hand. Some went before him. Some came after him. But everything that they did was on that one mission. And Jesus called us in Matthew chapter 28, the church, the the, the believers, to go into all the world and preach the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And to invite people to believe that and to have faith and repentance and that Jesus is who he said he was. To pray for our communities, to love them well, to see them thrive, and to see the gospel go out and saturate our communities. That is our responsibility, but it's not our responsibility as individuals. It is our responsibility as a community. So how do we do that? So here at Story City, we have something called missional groups. And our missional groups are are intentionally built so that we we learn how to put Jesus at the center of our lives, right? That we uh, live together, biblical living through community and that we go on mission into the outside non-believer community and, and we tell them about Jesus. That's what our missionary groups are for. And so, uh, again, Jesus has put this call on all believers' lives. We need to live in, uh, in community. And so... There's a, a couple ways that you can join a community group. First of all, groups start in two weeks. So we've been announcing it. And so what it would look like is you would have a group that you would meet with that uh, weekly. You would go to somebody's house, uh, pray together, pray for unbelievers that you know that you uh, are in constant contact with. Figure out ways where you can set up opportunities to uh, invite them to eat with you, to spend time with you so that you can show them the love of Christ and introduce them to Jesus. And also then they study the word together and they see that uh, uh, how we make Jesus the center of our lives. So uh, there's a, group, a missional groups QR code displayed at the connections table right after service. It's in a black frame. If you are not a part of a missional group, I would, I would encourage you uh, click the code. We meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We have a night for everyone, hopefully. And so you can join one of those groups um, and you can learn how to live in community. So. Wrap this up. Today, we saw that clear rhythms create healthy pathways into impactful community. These are the rhythms that we as uh, the leadership of Story City have developed that we've, that we've brought out from scripture to give you guys intentional ways, right, purposeful ways to encounter God and to disciple each other, right? We're worshiping services. We serve in teams. We learn in studies. And we grow in groups, It's formulated this way so that we're we're seeing the holistically as an apprentice, we're seeing you developed and that scripture is being followed in every way. It's purposeful. We didn't just do it by accident. We've prayed over this. We we've sought God, and we see this in Scripture. And so we hope that this uh, fall semester, you would join us in this discipleship rhythms. If you're maybe, uh, um, maybe this is your first time here today, you're one of our guests, we'd love, to, we'd love to worship with you again in another service, right? Maybe you've been here for a while, uh, you've been coming frequently, and you want to start getting involved in the team. Uh, right in the back there, you can, you can do that. Uh, you can sign up to serve in a team. Maybe you want to learn in a study, right? you want to get hooked up with Right Now Media, you can do that. Or maybe you want to live in a group. We we definitely want that for you. You can sign up for groups after the service. And so, that's it for today. Thank you guys for being with us. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll move on to the next part of our service to get our time together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word today. God, we thank you uh, that we have a place to gather. God, where we can... um, Live intentionally to follow after you, God. You call us to apprentice you. You call us to disciple you. And God, I pray that we would put a priority and an importance on these rhythms, God. And that we would know that as we do these rhythms together in community, we are discipling each other. God, that we're encouraging each other, that we're uh, uh, encouraging each other to follow after you. We're pushing one another to follow after you. And God, I just pray that as we eat and that as we spend time together, as we break bread together, that we would just grow closer as a family and that we would live on mission in Granada Hills community. In Christ's name, we pray all these things. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at
1: storycitychurch.com Go and be the church.